Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we have an interesting look at the ancient city of Petra, and we look at a troublesome top 10 list. Speaking of numbers, the number 900 is very important. That's because our online resource center now has over 900 books and DVDs. SWRC.com. Brand new titles and films, as well as classics back in print, some for the first time in decades. Christmas presents with an eternal impact. That's what you'll find at SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. When you think of Christmas this year, make sure you get our exclusive SWRC Christmas ornament. Our die-cut etched Christmas tree ornament features our classic logo of the watchman on the wall blowing the shofar. Our motto, God is still on the throne and prayer changes things, is engraved across the top of the ornament. Every ornament is a true piece of heritage and craftsmanship, which you'll enjoy this Christmas and for years to come. Get your Watchman on the Wall Christmas ornament for a gift of $100 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. Another word for false doctrine is lie. Satan is the father of lies, and yet to many his lies sound believable. Our hosts, Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins, are here to count down Satan's 10 most believable lies. Dave Brees was a noted pastor, author, and lecturer. He was the host of The King is Coming television program, and he was heard on the nationwide radio program's Pause for Good News and Dave Brees Reports. He was also a frequent guest back in the 1980s and 1990s here on The Watchman on the Wall. Dave was an expert on Bible prophecy, and he wrote several books, including his classic work, Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies. In the studio with me today to talk about Dave Brees, his legacy, and his book, Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies, is the staff evangelist for Southwest Radio Ministries, James Collins. James, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Spargimino. It's an honor to sit in with you today. I'm excited to talk about Dave Brees and this book. Now, I never met Dave Brees, but I am familiar with his ministry. How did you become familiar with him? Well, like you mentioned in your opening, I became familiar with Dave Brees through hearing him on the radio and watching him on television on the program The King is Coming. He was one of my favorite Bible teachers. I always thought that Dave had a smooth but dynamic way of teaching the Word of God. So uh, you were a fan? I would say so, yes. I understand that through some research you were working on for a book project, you have become acquainted with some of his family members. Uh, Yes, sir, that's right. Well, tell us about him. Who was Dave Brees? Well, again, like you said in the opening, Dave was a very well-known Christian broadcaster on both radio and television. He was a conference speaker. He spoke about Bible prophecy all over the world. He was a family man. He and his wife, Carol, had two daughters, Lynn and Noel, and he was the author of some fantastic Christian books. Let's talk about his writing. You recently got permission from the Breeze family to bring back some of Dave's books. 
Yes, and I'm very excited about these new editions of Dave's Classic Books. This past summer, Beacon Street Press was given permission from the Brees family to update, refresh, and republish several of Dave's books, including the one that we're going to talk about today, Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies. Even though Dave died, his legacy continues today through his writings. And that is something that you are passionate about, isn't it? Well, yes, I am. I I believe that Christianity owes a debt to the godly men and women of previous generations who took the time to write. Almost every week of my life, I read something by someone who is now in heaven. Last week, I read a devotion by David Weber, a commentary by Noah Hutchings, and a book by J.R. Church. Even though those three men have passed on, they have left behind their words. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.4 about faithful Abel, He being dead yet speaketh, and writing allows you to leave behind a spiritual endowment. Imagine being able to win someone to Jesus or helping someone in their faith all from your grave. That's what gives me the most personal satisfaction in my own writing ministry, and that is knowing that I can have an influence on someone for Jesus through something that I wrote even after I'm gone. I also feel like it's part of my ministry to keep the legacy of these great men of God alive, so I was very blessed when the Brees family agreed to bring Dave's book back. Well, let's talk about the book, Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies. Well, as the title would suggest, the book is about Satan. Uh, Jesus said in John eight forty four that Satan is the father of lies. In Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies, Dave Brees goes through the Bible specifically focusing on the books of Genesis, Job, and Matthew. And he looks at some of the lies that Satan has been using for thousands of years. And there's a reason that Satan continues to use these ten lies. It's, it's because they work. So we as believers need to be on guard for these lies. In the introduction to Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies, Dave Brees writes, quote, Satan has a trap that is more deadly than witchcraft, close quotes. Now, James, what is that trap? The trap that is more deadly than witchcraft is doctrinal error. I mean, think about it. Things like witchcraft, sorcery, and black magic are only able to deceive a few people. Most people would look at something like witchcraft and know right away that it's bad, and they would avoid it. However, Satan's deadliest influences are not overt and public. Instead, it's the covert, the hidden activities of the devil that he uses to his greatest advantage. With witchcraft, seances, and demon possession, the devil has captured thousands. But with false doctrine, he has led millions astray. If you are just tuning in, James Collins and I are discussing Dave Brees and his book, Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies. A new edition of the book was recently published by Beacon Street Press, and you can get a copy by calling 1-800-652-1144. That toll-free number, once again, is 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. That's swrc.com. James, according to Dave Brees, false doctrine is more deadly than witchcraft. Why is is doctrine so important? Well, in order to understand and refute the doctrines of the devil, we must first know sound biblical doctrine. The Apostle Paul admonished Timothy to give attention to doctrine and to take heed continually to the importance of it, and he reminded him that this attention would save both him and his hearers. 
You must have a knowledge of the Bible to be able to clearly see the false teaching, liberalism, and cults that are just everywhere today. The book is titled, Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies. Let's run through the ten lies. What is the first lie? The first lie that Dave Brees writes about is God is a cosmic sadist. Now, this lie that Satan uses is found in the opening words of his conversation with Eve way, way back in the Garden of Eden. He said, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, Satan is doing two things here. First, he is casting doubt on the truth of the statements of God. Second, Satan is actually making the suggestion that would amount to, uh, basically, isn't God really saying that you cannot eat of any of the fruit of the garden? In other words, he's saying God doesn't want you to have any fun. And he still uses that same lie today. Over the years, I know I've had many people say to me, well, I I would become a Christian, but being a Christian is no fun. What what they're saying, though, is really, I want to keep on sinning. I don't want to turn from my sin and turn to Christ. And Satan has fooled people today into believing that God doesn't want you to have fun when, in reality, that is far, far from the truth. Lie number two is similar to lie number one. Tell me about Satan's lie that says God is a liar. Eve told Satan that God said if you eat of the tree, then you would die. And Satan came back with, you shall not surely die. Basically, the devil said God is a liar. He cannot be trusted and his word is not true. Well, people today constantly attack the word of God. They say things like, you can't trust the Bible. It contradicts itself. It is full of mistakes. You know, that just shows their ignorance, Dr. Spargem. You know, the Bible never, ever contradicts itself. God's Word is truth. Amen to that. And the truth of God's Word has the power to change lives. That brings us to lie number three. There is no destiny. You know, this lie has really grown in popularity. People today believe that there is no heaven, there is no hell, that we're just animals without a soul, and when we die, that's just it. There's nothing. But that's a lie. We are eternal beings created in the image of God. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to avoid, and the only way to heaven is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that, Dr. Spargimino, is the gospel truth. Amen. Well, once again, I am talking with James Collins about the book by Dave Brees titled Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies. It's a wonderful book, and you can get a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144 or online at swrc.com. James, lie number four is God is not worthy. Now, tell me about that lie. Well, the devil says that God is not worthy to rule the universe. Satan has uh, really used that lie so effectively that millions of people have rejected God as Lord. Instead, They are their own God. They are Lord of their own life. You see, Satan wants to sit on God's throne, but the problem is God is still on the throne. It's like we've said for years, God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. God is still on the throne. He always has been, and he always will be. Line number five is adversity must produce apostasy. Now, would you explain that lie? That lie is found in the book of Job. Satan tells God that he had put a hedge of protection around Job, but if God were to let Satan have his way with Job, then Job would curse God to his face. In other words, no man will face human adversity without crumbling into bitterness and basically cursing God. 
What an insult to Christians. God has never promised us as believers a life exempt from troubles. Instead, his promise is to be with us through those troubles. Yes, absolutely. When you have trouble, God is there. When you're sad, God is there. When you're alone, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you. Satan's lie number six is, this life is everything. Sadly, most people believe this lie. That is why they're so self-focused. Almost all television programs, movies, magazines, books, professions, institutions, and activities are dedicated to the principle that this life is the only life we know or we can know. Materialism is the name for all of that, and materialism is the religion of the world today. Another of its names is humanism, which basically says it's all about me, and Satan is the founder of humanism. Satan's seventh most believable lie is God should work miracles on demand. You know, the devil tried to use that lie on Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. When Jesus was hungry, Satan said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The devil basically said, If you are the Son of God, you have no problem with this matter of physical hunger. Just be a magician. Command that these stones can be made into bread. And that suggests the satanic doctrine that working a miracle on demand is a a valid solution for your personal problems and, and to be able to satisfy your physical needs. But Jesus is not a magician. He is the Savior of our souls. Lie number eight is exploit the promises. Now, would you elaborate on that one? That lie was also spoken by Satan to Christ during the temptation in the wilderness. The devil took Jesus to the top of the temple and said, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. The devil basically wanted Christ to exploit the promises of God. He wanted Christ to put God to the test. Well, what is lie number nine? Lie number nine is Satan's way is the best way. Uh, but the truth is Satan asks for everything and gives nothing in return. Finally, the tenth of Satan's ten most believable lies is don't go to the cross. Well, what is this lie all about? Well, Satan used Peter for that lie. Peter told the Lord, no, don't go to the cross. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You see, Jesus had to go to the cross. He had to go to the cross to save us from our sin. Well, there is so much more to this wonderful book than we have time to discuss on this program. Not only does the book examine each lie in detail, but it also contains ways to combat the devil's deception. So let me encourage everyone listening to get a copy of this updated edition of Satan's 10 Most Believable Lies by Dave Brees. James, thank you so much for joining me today. Dr. Sporgimino, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Get today's program, Satan's 10 Most Believable Lies, on CD by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Today in the Resource Center, we are excited to have back in print for the first time in years, Dave Brees' best-selling book, Satan's 10 Most Believable Lies. 
Satan's 10 Most Believable Lies describes 10 of the enemy's false doctrines. Each chapter defines a satanic lie and compares it to the truth found in Scripture. Learn to avoid falling into the pit of deception, as well as how to fight each lie. Get your copy today for a gift of $20 or more when you call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Let's listen in on a recent podcast episode from In the Beacon's Light about the ancient city of Petra. Here's your host of In the Beacon's Light, Jerry Tyson. There are several places on earth that defy description. You know what I mean if you've ever seen places like the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, the Yosemite Valley, the coast of Maine, or Arches National Park. All of these are natural wonders, or to be said another way, made by the hand of God. We could make a much longer list with no effort. There are a number of places that are not natural, but man-made, that are also beyond human comprehension unless seen in person. Photographs don't do much for some things. Again, maybe you have had the opportunity to see some of these places. If we were to get together, we could make a list that would make us want to become world travelers as our full-time occupation. A number of years ago, we were privileged to travel with Noah Hutchings to Israel and Jordan. Crossing the border into Jordan was an interesting experience. One of the few Arab countries at that time that had any relationship with Israel, it still gave one an odd feeling to be leaving Israel behind and crossing into a totally different world. In many ways, Israel was like being in the United States. An Arab country is not like that. But for Jordan, it was a necessity to play nice with Israel and the U.S. Why? Simply stated, tourism. Without tourist dollars, Jordan would be hurting. A large number of tours to Israel include a two- or three-day crossover into Jordan to see some of the sites there that are historically or biblically significant. If one is going to Jordan, it is almost an imperative to see the rock-red city of Petra, listed as one of the seven wonders of the world. If you're not familiar with Petra, do yourself a favor and do some research that includes color photographs. There is no other way to comprehend Petra. Maybe you saw the 1989 movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That movie put Petra on the map, so to speak, in that it propelled it to being one of the most visited tourist attractions and most visited archaeological sites in the world. Many who do not hold to a biblical timeline believe Petra was carved from the rocks about 10,000 years ago. By about 100 years before Christ, Petra had become the capital of the Nabataean Empire. Nabataea was an Arab state that gained its riches by holding control and taxing traders with camels loaded with exotic items from as far away as China, Arabia, Africa, and India as they traveled the spice road to the markets of the West. 
Unless you are at the entrance to Petra, you would have no idea what is beyond. From higher elevation, natural viewpoints, it doesn't exist. To get to the city, one needs to travel about one mile starting in Wadi Musa. During the first half of the walk, we saw tombs, carvings, sculptures, and ancient writing on the rock walls. Some of the carvings included elephants, hinting traders from India were among travelers and traders from many ancient cultures. When we got to the Sikh, the half-mile-long narrow crack in the up to 250 feet steep rock walls that leads to the city, there is still no way to comprehend what you will find ahead. If it wasn't for all of the souvenir shops that fill the entrance area, you would never give a thought of what an interesting mile-long walk would reveal. The Nabataeans couldn't have wanted a better location for strategic defense. An invading army would have no chance to survive with no place for cover or exit other than to go back the way they came. There are no places where the rock passage is more than 10 feet wide. It is interesting that the word Petra is similar to Peter. Jesus gave Simon the name Peter because of the relatively small stone his confession of Jesus as the Messiah represented as the bedrock of faith that would establish the soon-to-be-founded era of Christianity and the church that Jesus would head. As we walked through the Sikh, it was impossible to miss an ancient clay pipe traveling along the left side wall. As the walkway continued, it was always descending in elevation. This pipe was constructed to provide water from outside Petra in time of drought. There is no natural water source in the city, which some believe housed as many as 30,000 people. The pipe was the backup system. Primary water supply was from the occasional flash floods that would wash down the seek. The water resulting was stored in cisterns. If you had never seen pictures and had not been given a hint, you would not be prepared for what was ready to be revealed as you walked the last hundred feet of the seek. Very narrow at first, then widening to give the ultimate Petra postcard view is the Treasury Building, as it's called. Carved into the red rock is this building facade 150 feet high and about 100 feet wide. It demands standing to view it with mouth wide open and words like, Oh my goodness, being among the few that can be spoken. At this point in history, the best ideas that we have are that it was a temple or burial tomb of a revered Nabataean. Walking into it reveals no hints other than open rooms on either side of the central space. So why, you ask, did Petra cease to be a major city of the biblical era? Annexed by Rome some 60 years before Christ, it was under Roman authority, but still an independent client state through the first century A.D. A serious earthquake in 363 A.D. caused enough damage that by 700 A.D. it had become virtually abandoned and unknown to the outside world until nearly 1000 A.D. 
for the adventurous, a walk through the city and expanse beyond will take one past a Roman-style amphitheater, which, after a Roman expansion effort, held some 8,500 people. There are many carved openings in the rocks at several levels that may have served as tombs all along the road. On the right and up a strenuous climb is another area that has tombs. When time is not an issue, at the bottom of the valley is a main street of sorts that crosses the valley and leads to another set of steps that seem to lead to the heavens. There was little to see after leaving the valley until this location, but getting there was worth the bragging rights. At the top is a wide open area and another expansive and impressive carved facade similar to the treasury building far below, except in this area the rock is not pink but gray, and this is known as the monastery. It wasn't until 1929 that archaeologists began to excavate Petra. It might take many more years before they discover all of the secrets. Walking the paths and the stairs of Petra is an experience never to be forgotten. The people who lived there in the past had a rugged existence, and those who live there today making their living selling trinket souvenirs surely don't experience a life we would consider fulfilling. Considering the antiquity of the site, the incredible amount of hard labor to create all that is still there to see it was a people with a considerable level of drive and purpose. Maybe there's an application we can draw from them to us today. We seem to be losing sight of the fact that hard work is needed to achieve a worthwhile goal. The concepts of socialism have crept into so much of our thinking that many expect government to provide for our needs. It's a foregone conclusion that the people of Petra of old suffered many hardships. They faced food and water shortages, as well as the unwelcome floods that occasionally washed through the area. Some traveling the Sikh before arriving at its terminus at the treasury would have no place to go if suddenly confronted by the rising floodwaters in the narrow gorge. Yet somehow they survived, and we can enjoy what is there to see today. Second Chronicles 15.7 has these encouraging words, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Those from Petra have left the reward behind for us to marvel and stand in awe at the magnificent city of old. You've been listening to In the Beacon's Light, one of our podcasts. New episodes are released each Tuesday and Friday. Subscribe to In the Beacon's Light wherever you listen to podcasts. Satan's Ten Most Believable Lies by Dave Brees is back in print for the first time in many years. Order your copy today for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can order anytime online, swrc.com. In Luke 17, we read about 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus, but only one returned to thank the Lord. Sadly, most Americans have the attitude of the nine who were unthankful. 
On the next Watchman on the Wall, James Collins examines this attitude in a teaching entitled, Thanks for Nothing. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.